Don Rahul Jimenez. How amateur is that? Like, you don't even see that down in the park. If they, if they lose, it provides great content. I am supporting every team that plays break. I'm not making a documentary this year about how shit my club is. Mudman, thank you as always. Who would you rather lose it to, by the way, me or Johnny? That's somebody's choice. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Sports Battle, Monday the 7th of December. We're into the December, yeah, Christmas is coming. Um, we just have the one podcast tonight as well because I fell here and I'm a dose and I overbooked and forgot to book people to come on. So just the one podcast for you this week, folks. I'm joined, as always, by Patrick the Brain Rachel. Hello, Patrick. Good evening, chaps. Uh, the boss man, Mr. Todd Brenton. Hello, Brenton. Good evening. And obviously, Captain Mud, Jonathan Pascal Douglas. How are you, John? Uh, bad evening to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, so I'm sure you all know, regular listeners will know that Johnny is our resident uh, gooner. And we're going to start there this week, folks. Uh, we're going to talk about the North London Derby and just what happened uh, yesterday at the Arsenal against uh, a very, very vintage Jose Mourinho Spurs. Jonathan, your initial thoughts on the game after, was it, oh, 24 hours now to think about it? And what do you think about Arsenal? How do you feel? Mm, I've been thinking about Arsenal for weeks and weeks on end. Sleepless nights. Uh I, you said us yesterday that you thought Spurs played really well. I, I take nothing away from Spurs. They deserve to win. Like, but, um, I didn't think they really did have to play a fantastic. Um, they just were clinical and they got their two counter attacking chances. But like, Arsenal have been falling for Jose Mourinho shit for fifteen years now. Like, you know, it's just um, Jesus Christ. How do we keep falling for his fucking shit tactics? Like? I think, like, we, all four of us could have put together a team yesterday to go out and beat Mourinho Spurs because we knew exactly what they are going to do. Like, if Arteta had set the team up the way he had against, you know, Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea and the FA Cup final, you know, tight and compact, let Spurs have the ball because they were happy to let us have the ball because they knew we couldn't break them down. Let them have the ball and see what they can do. Why they're, they, what, they can't counter-attack someone when they actually have to fucking think about what they have to do. Um, I heard a really interesting <clears throat> stat today, lads. I don't know if you've heard it, but fucking is absolutely shocking. Um, out of all ninety-two clubs in the professional leagues in England, in the second half of games, Arsenal have had the least shots on target. Out of all ninety-two, Jesus Christ! Yeah, that I is heard that today. Damning. <clears throat> We're talking is like it 60, 65 shots, John, or something this season. Sixty-five attempts on goal. Grimsby yeah. Town have taken more shots than us. Holy Christ. And Newcastle have scored is... more goals than you in the Premier League this season, which is pretty shocking. They're, like, they're, I was thinking about this today. We could really honestly do a full hours podcast on probably more, longer, on what the fuck's going on at Arsenal. But we don't have that time, so we're just going to keep it compact, sweet, and tidy and get this fucking game over with for another week. But... Uh, Hector Bellerin, base can't take a throw in. 
<laughs> has anybody <laughs> noticed this? It's but, like the fifth time this season. <laughs> it's probably it's probably because he's been caught out at it before, so now they're really <clears> watching <throat> for him. But I would say there's probably other players doing that as well. I just they're just not picking it up. But they're really picking it up with him because he's obviously in the limelight or the spotlight. Sorry for for doing that. Um. Yeah, we got beat. We deserved to get beat. There were very few players coming mm. out of that game with any sort of, you know, can hold their heads up, like maybe three, if even. Uh, Harry Kane backing in the players again. Like, what's it going to take for people to fucking do something about this? Yeah, um, I'll touch on that. In a bit, just, just <clears throat> the reason why I thought Spurs and apologies for coughing, but I, I stupidly had something at Chris before I came on the podcast, and I can't deal with it. Um, the reason why I thought Spurs play, played well, it sort of depends how you define a team playing well. The, that Spurs team can't go out and pass the ball around. I don't think they have enough players to go out and pass the ball around. Everyone 15, 20 passes and score the perfect goal. Or just keep the ball, keep the ball, keep the ball, keep the ball. I don't think they have it in them. They have in them Jose Mourinho. I've heard someone on a podcast say today, just vintage is inter-team, that one of the tribal, where they just have a load of grocks that are going to break the play up. And especially Hoiberg, who seems to be king of them at the minute. And then whenever they get the chance, they have uh, Son and Kane, who are like Eto and Melito at the minute. And they're just devastating. Now, Jonathan, I'm sure you'll point out if you're going to let Son cut in on his side like that, you're inviting pain. Mm-hmm. Certainly, that wasn't great defending. And obviously, Partey as well, just taking himself off for one of the goals too, was a bit mad. <laughs> but yeah. but th- that, is, that, is, that, is, that is how this Spurs team plays well and how they are going to win games. Like That's mm-hmm. what they're going to do. So it, there is an onus on other teams to not fall into that trap and I think it'd be interesting to see what Jurgen Klopp does and what Patrick and Brenton think in um in two weeks time. I know Lampard he's Lampard's still only a baby too at, at coaching. So he, he tried but Spurs will shut things down and just really make a nothing of that game. And I'm sure Celt or Chelsea will learn from that in the rematch. But yeah it was it was very naive from Arteta uh, as Spud joins the podcast there. Um, it was very, told you right this time. Yeah, it was very, very naive. I tell you, I thought. I don't know, Patrick, what you thought watching the game yesterday. Yeah, well, it's everyone knew what Mourinho was going to do. As you say, he was going to, he was going to counter, and you know, there's nothing. You know, it wasn't the easiest football on the eye, but they were very effective. You know, the, I think their xG was zero in the second half or something crazy like that, but. Um, yeah, they just they just did did simple things well. Just absorb pressure. Let Arsenal cross the ball thirty three times and just head it away thirty three times. You know, um, forty four actually, thirty four. <laughs> just classic classic Mourinho uh, performance. Uh, you know, Kane's just in the form of his life, and yeah, you know they're looking good. I would say that you know they're they're probably. I don't think they could withstand one or two injuries. I think they'd be absolutely fucked. Um, but who knows if they get a bit of luck and get through the season? You know, uh, you know who knows they could win the league. Them and Chelsea both look very strong. I think. 
Brad Moore, do you make of it? Same, yeah, as what I what the lads are saying. I think there was um, flashbacks during <clears> that game um, of the Chelsea Spurs game. Um, only uh, Chelsea weren't naive where Arsenal were. Um, I think there was, there's a lot of players um, on that Arsenal team need um, need a serious talking to, like. Um, Aubameyang being the prime one, uh, and William's been piss poor as well the last six weeks, or maybe even more. Johnny probably tell you more, but um, yeah, and uh, um, I thought Jacka as well. Like he, for when Arsenal were playing well there, maybe about a month ago, he he started to maybe seem like he was turning the corner, um. But uh, he did some really stupid things last night. Like uh, the yellow card he got was just inexplicable. Um, and then uh, you've already mentioned Partey. So um, there's something really not right at Arsenal. I don't know if they need to get together and, and just have it out with each other or what's happening. But um, the yeah, it was it was really a contrast. I think of two teams in in, in a completely different. Vienna form, and uh, you know, I know that people say anything can happen in a North London derby or a derby at all, but this the way the game went was just on form. Um, Spurs looked like they thought we were, or like we thought they were going to look. Um, and at the minute, they do look very hard to break down and just like absolutely so clinical. That's uh, the only way to describe them on the counter like two shot will they have two or three shots on target i think arsenal have had i saw another stat johnny arsenal have had two only two shots on target in each of their last five premier league games um which is another shocker <clears throat> but yeah just saying that their spurs had three shots on target and one two nil like it's just that that's just unbelievable um but yeah i think the 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 questions need to be asked um, of a bombing in particular when when the things came out yesterday about his his agent putting up an Instagram about if you don't create chances um, mm-hmm. basically um, and his his best friend I think as well Johnny you 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 put into the group um, I think that's you know that's that's weak from a um, and as soon as I saw it I wanted to talk about it because. He can he can hide behind that um because he'll say it's not me saying it um it's the people around me but you're paying your agent and if you're if you're best friends with someone you can you can stop them doing that you know I think he needs to get a bit of a backbone get a bit of balls about him and start playing like the club captain and the highest paid player at the club um because from what I've seen of him the last, I mean, all season, basically, uh, he has been piss poor. And uh, and the thing about it is, is that Arsenal plays so much better as a team when, when he shines and he performs. And he needs to start doing that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <clears throat> well, Brent mentioned there about everyone needs to get together. They actually got together last week. Uh and clearly 
that done nothing for them. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of issues in that team. Like you know, like you mentioned, Shaka as well. Shaka played very well after the restart, and his forms went off the edge of a cliff, back to the way he was. Donny Zabales has been nowhere near the same level he was last season either. Um, don't know what to do about Aubameyang. Like you know, he's done his agent and stuff has been kind of vocal before when they should really keep their mouth shut. Um, yes, the team aren't playing well, but Aubameyang is not playing well either, and he's not. He doesn't seem interested. Like, I I was talking to the prince last night after the game, and I sent him an interview <laughs> that Aubameyang done with the Arsenal website prior to the North London derby, and he just his whole body language, everything about it, he just like he didn't care, like he wasn't interested. He didn't look interested yesterday. He didn't look like he was bothered. Like right before Spurs' second goal. Like Arsenal broke into the box, and if he was on his toes, like there was definitely an opportunity to score a goal. I don't know where he was running to. Like I really don't know. Like he, from what I remember, he was in the six-yard box, and he ran towards the net instead of just backing off and waiting. I think it was Saka had the ball, played to Bamiang, and like it's it's an easy it's an easy opportunity for a guy like him. It's just this, I don't know what's going on with him. And people are saying it's nothing to do with contract and blah blah blah, but. When you, when you think about it, like last season, this guy was playing for his future, whether that be at Arsenal or Barcelona or whatever, he was trying to impress other clubs or trying to get Arsenal to really offer him this big contract. And now he's got that big contract. So in a way, like you think about it in your job, if you get a pay raise, like you work really hard to get your pay raise. And once you've got it, yeah, you probably will just ease off for a while because you're thinking, yeah, I've got my pay raise now. Like I'm not going to get an all pay raise for a couple of years or whatever. Like, but there definitely is something going on there, like, and it can't, you know, like you said, there's obviously even conversations with his agent, because you know, like you said, they're mates. You know, it's not like, yeah, he hasn't been saying this to Jason, or his agent hasn't been talking to him about this. So it is, it's just yeah. kind of, you expect better from your your captain, like of your club, like you know, no disrespect to the smaller clubs, like, but he's playing for a fucking club like Arsenal, like he's not playing for fucking, you know, Burnley or something, like you need to really show your class, like. And everything about him this this week in particular has just been dreadful. Yeah, yeah he's not a very inspiring captain. Like I would worry if he was captain of no. club, he's not exactly like a dog of war, especially in these kind of you know difficult times. He's not an inspiring figure. He's just a you know he's a, he's a temperamental striker. Like I I don't you know I wouldn't want a temperamental striker captain of my club. Like you want a flipping gritty midfielder or something. I know that's a big generalization and people could say Kane, but Kane has a sort of different attitude. He leads by example. Bamayang's just his attitude just seems rotten. Like and as you said, Johnny, about the contract, like it was nearly as soon as he had that great performance in the FA Cup, the one in the FA Cup, he got offered the mega deal. It's like he just couldn't give a toss anymore. Um mm-hmm. really poor. Like doesn't yeah. <clears throat> I can see how disappointed you would be. A lot of people have said that Aubameyang is quite immature. Like he gets on like a bit of a child, and you know De- what yeah, really definitely in the FA Cup celebrations, I thought that too. Actually, really odd. I thought what grinds my gears is how he's quite poly with the Arsenal fan TV boys. Ugh. And one of them, like I put yeah. it, I showed it these last night. One of them put up an Arteta out T-shirt. He's selling these T-shirts. You know? No, I'm sorry. Like I it's... know, I know people. I watch Arsenal fan TV and and they love it. Like, and if a very good friend of mine will watch it, he's done Arsenal fan. He watches for a laugh. Like, but I, I really wish 
everyone would leave it alone and stop washing it and it just disappears and everyone on it is forced onto a rocket and fired onto the fucking sun out of my sight because I hate the sight of every single one of them. They're hateful. They've made themselves a career and money out of talking bile, talking shit. They're actually, and we were caught out, Johnny, weren't they? Delighted uh-huh. that Arsenal had lost because they're going to get content. That's not a fan of a football club, like. And no. the fact that 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 really, I I have no love for Arsenal, like, but that really annoyed me when he pallied up to them last year, <laughs> the year before, when they were being really, really nasty. To, I think it was towards Finger, maybe, or towards someone, and he was there being their best mate and being pally with them. I thought, you absolute bastard. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. the Arsenal were told by everyone else away from Arsenal, don't do the same thing you did with Ozil, don't give him the big contract, don't do it, hang off, hold off, hold off, give him the big contract, and now they're like in the same position again, it's it's so daft, but things will have to change at Arsenal, I don't think it'll be the manager, things will have to change quick, because 15th in the league now, I think it is, um, obviously we've talked at the start there about their poor record in front of goal, Things gonna have to change quick, or this season's gonna fizzle out, which is not what Arsenal need. Um, however, Brenton, your own season is mm-hmm. going from strength to strength. Even though Timo Werner, and I haven't even given you a touch on this yet, had one of the worst misses I've ever seen on Saturday. Um, it was actually harder to do what he did yeah, than anything uh, else. So I, actually quite I still impressive. don't know what he did. Yeah, uh, Chelsea. Up against Leeds, that old rivalry renewed. Um, a decent game, all things told, but Chelsea suffocated Leeds and outran them, which I'm sure you're absolutely really impressed with. Really impressed with that. Um, I, I thought that was our best performance this season. Um, they were they were very much up for it, and the they knew what Leeds were going to bring. They, they clearly done their work. Um, and they just dominated. Um, I, I think uh, was it Cooper came out and was interviewed for Leeds after the game, and and he, he was very honest and just said, "Yeah, we, they were far better. We were just outworked. We need to learn from it and move on." And um, Leeds were, you know, Leeds were decent. Um, they did what Leeds do, and and they ran and chased and. Giroud came out after and said yeah, it's one of the toughest games he's played this season, they run so much and he just started laughing um, but yeah it was a good game, it was full of, full of quality and at one point it looked like it you know, could have been 5-4 um, but Chelsea took so many chances um, as you say, the, the, the Werner one, Werner had a few um, Giroud had a few to his name as well uh, before he scored um and uh, Chelsea fully deserved it. Uh, the even when when Ziyech came off and and Pulisic was able to come on, I mean the strength and depth there is uh, is different than than what we had last year, obviously. Uh, and the squad looks good. I mean everybody was fit. Obviously now Ziyech is is going to be injured for a couple of weeks, and and I think Hudson Odoi as well now. Um, but. In a good place, there'll be, um, I would say eight or nine changes for the for the Champions League game now tomorrow, uh, and then I think we play Everton on on Saturday night, 
um, who've dipped a bit. But yeah, all all quite positive. Uh, and um, it, it was definitely Leeds would have been uh, obviously the rivalry and, and then Bamford scoring, you know, so early. Uh, it was a bit of a challenge there and it was a possible stumbling block, but uh, impressed, very impressed with Chelsea at the weekend. What's been the most pleasing aspect of the last couple of weeks of Chelsea? Has it been the goal ratio or has it been a performance like that where you're just able to stand up to teams? Because like, Leeds scare everyone and they will continue to scare everyone. Like, can you imagine when we all have to go to Leeds away and have a full house? I know Arsenal have managed to get that over, but Chelsea and Liverpool have to go to Ellen Road and it could hopefully be and there'll be some sort of fan base there. That's going to be wild, especially if there's no way fans to back you up. To security. And the first five minutes, <clears throat> how good, lads, by the way, is Calvin Phillips? Mm. Like, how, if they hang on to next season, fair play to them. Wasn't it, like, even as a, just in that six role in general, there was there was times where he was getting overrun in midfield, and he, it's looked like he was doing a lot on his own. I thought Dallas was quite quiet, but Chelsea was so impressive. I'm like, what, we were talking about the leaders two minutes ago about Aubameyang. Thiago Silva. Yeah, <laughs> like the man, the man was clearly just born to be a captain or like lead people. Like he's just so comfortable being. Like people talk about Kante's performance. They talk about how good Werner's been and and the assist from Ziyech and how good mendy has been at the back. But Thiago Silva's like the the voice of this team now. And what what struck me as well by Thiago Silva at the weekend was that's what I'm talking about. Like the um, the, there was a there was one free man at any time because Leeds man mark. Um, so Thiago Silva on the ball was comfortable to to step out, and it, it is unbelievable if you watch it back. The amount of times he he carries the ball himself over the halfway line and and into nearly the final third, and and you know he, he can pass a ball. Do you know what I mean? Like he pops off some really nice passes too, and that completely sort of nullified what Leeds were trying to do because they had a man on, on everyone else and, and he was the free man and he just said right well I'll continue to just keep going here until somebody comes to me and if they eventually do I'll pop it to whoever they came from so it really worked that way and I think that was um, that was smart from Lampard uh, because having him on the ball and moving meant that they could still have somebody who could pass a ball instead of Zuma you know Thiago Silva is a much better footballer Um and there'd be times he was he was popping it out wide, or or a few times he nipped it in over the top for for Giroud to run onto. So, um, that was really good. Has that been the most pleasing win? Do you think for Frank Lampard as a Chelsea manager? Um, it's up there. I think the uh, the away game at Spurs last season was probably up there. Uh, just going by his celebrations and because it was Mourinho and uh, there was so much talk about it and he did the double over Spurs last year so um, that would say that's probably up there but um, don't know if it's it's quite Spurs away yet uh, there was there was no real animosity in the game or sort of any bad challenges or nothing between Lampard and Bielsa just a, a very brief handshake before the game but uh, there was no real you know Battle of the Bridge vibes with with Spurs. Uh, I don't. You, you, I don't think you're going to get that. You go with Bielsa at Leeds. 
because I know obviously they had the thing when Frank was at Derby, but Bielsa never once wanted to come across as if he was trying to make a dick out of Frank Lampard, but he ended up he did. But and like and, and rightly so he got uh, criticised. I I enjoyed it. No, you didn't, Brent, but he got criticised for it. But he, he didn't mean that because that's not in his nature. So there wasn't going to be that animosity and the thing. Bels is just a, a bit weird. He wants to be on his own and do his own thing. You know, he doesn't want to get involved in that. Whereas you might see, say, well, you're going to see Chris Wilder and Jurgen Klopp fight clearly at some point this season, but you might see Frank and Klopp maybe start shouting at each other or giving something back. But Bels is completely different. And like that, that's what was missing, I think, from that game on Saturday. It was a little bit of bite needle because I've been in the build up the whole time about this massive rivalry that developed in the, in the late sixties, early seventies between the two clubs. Now they just hate each other, and um, but it was a great game. And I know Patrick, you still think Chelsea are going to be the team to beat this season for the league? Yeah, like I think they should be favourites for the title. I really do. Like, you know, Brandon alluded to their squad. It is absolutely ridiculous. You know, just, you know, you go through the three good game. Well, you can say what you like about Kappa, like, but yeah, he's, a, he's a most expensive keeper of all time. You know, so you've got Mandy Kappa, you've got Caballero, who's stack of Argentina caps. You've got Reese James, who's out, absolutely outstanding. Cesar Aspilicueta, you've got stacks of centre halves, probably five centre halves. You've got about three left backs, Alonso. Uh, Chilwell, Emerson, and then midfield, so many options, so just a blend of everything. You know, you've got Kante, who's probably one of the best exponents of that sort of destructive defensive midfield role, but can also play exceptional football. Mason Mount is brilliant. I think he doesn't get enough credit. I think he's a class footballer. Yeah, um, he's, really, he's really shut me up. Yeah, he's amazing. Kovacic carrying the ball, and then you've got five or six options in the front three positions which are just frightening and when Werner sort of gets his shooting boots he's missed quite a few straightforward enough chances but his overall play you know uh, creating chances he still scored quite a few goals uh, he reminds me a bit of Salah that way he's not I wouldn't say being clinical uh, maybe not as clinical as he was at Leipzig but their squad is frightening and you know with the injuries that other teams have suffered and probably the transition Manchester City are in you know, I really think they should be taken very seriously. For me, far more seriously than Spurs, because I think, as I said earlier, Spurs seem an injury or two away from absolute collapse. But I think Chelsea could sustain a number of injuries and still be right up there. So yeah, the the the, the as a Liverpool fan, they definitely concern me. They look great. Yeah, I think I think they look fantastic. I was Mason Mount has. Really, as I just said, there he has completely shut me up this season. He, <laughs> the the only thing I don't like about him is his haircut, but that's like nothing. You know what I mean? That's the only thing that annoys me is that second hairline he's got himself cut into. But he's such a he's such an underrated little man. Like he's so he's always involved. He's always busy. He's always the heart of everything. Good Chelsea do whether that be defensively uh, breaking things up or. Or setting attacks up or having assist, he's he's always there and thereabouts, and um, he's actually quite likable at the minute as well too. So, which is weird for somebody being in royal blue, but um, yeah, like Chelsea look really really impressive. It's it's like a, a switch has just been flicked now. There was a few signings that'll help, but even the whole atmosphere around Chelsea, you sort of look at them now and you think they're starting to believe that you know 
we are we're a decent team here. We we can maybe do something this season. Maybe it's a season too early. One season maybe too early. You don't know, but they'll they'll be they'll be there in the mix come the end of the season. Like I think they'll they'll be right up there for all the trophies that they're still in. So uh, yeah, I think you, you'll be, you'll have a good one this year, Brendan. Anyway. Could I ask Brendan a question, Billy? Sorry. Yeah, of course. Brendan, what's your strongest midfield three? Like, where does Havertz fit, or who, who's in your strongest midfield? Well, <clears throat> do you know what? Actually, I would I'd recommend um, if you have an Athletic subscription, um, go on and read Liam Toomey's piece on Havertz and Kovacic today. Um, Havertz, uh, he says in the article today that Havertz has lost the ball, um, lost possession almost twice as much as any other Chelsea player this season. Right, um, yeah, which yeah, I find really interesting. But I do think <clears throat> out of all the signings, he's he struggled the most to to work his way into the into the league more than the team. If you know what I mean, like um, I think it's probably harder when you're playing in midfield because um, you you're in you're in the thick of everything, um, and the likes of of Thiago Silva can sit on the ball and nobody comes near him and he can move forward and but Havertz um when he's trying to play that number eight role uh it, it's tough there's there's always people up his ass um but I think that'll be I'm not overly worried about it I think as you say um the, the squad depth is so good and and Kovacic comes in there and he can carry the ball so well he, I mean he was Chelsea's player of the year last season so you know He's pretty decent, um, but to answer your question about the midfield three, I mean, Kante, um, obviously, is there. Um, uh, you know, I I think at the minute it probably would be Kante and Mount, and probably just Kovacic. You know, um, I think eventually Lampard wants it to be Havertz, and, and I think he will offer more going forward. And if you if you look at, at Giroud's goal there at the weekend, the, the sort of thing they want Havertz to do, which Kovacic isn't really known for or, or capable of, is making that late run into the box and getting on the end of things. I saw him do it so many times um, in the Bundesliga. And if Giroud doesn't put that in, Havertz is literally right behind him to tap it in. So I think they want that sort of a player that can you know, be the, the most uh, attacking out of that midfield three. Mount can, as you said already, can can do everything. Uh, he's really box the box, but um, I think at the minute it's probably Kante, Mount, and I, I would give the nod to Kovacic. But I mean, Havertz is—he's obviously coming into a new league. He said it, you know, he got a hat trick, yes, in the FA Cup, but um, he ha- he's had COVID in the last few weeks, and they're gonna need their squad coming into the this busy period, so. Uh, I think you'll see both in the in the coming weeks. Yeah, it's an interesting one, Havertz. Um, like he has that much talent that he won't be a flop. I'm pretty sure, given a little bit of time, um, he'll come good at Chelsea because he's too good a player not to. Just a segue, um, another fellow that, that got himself COVID when he went to his brother's wedding and danced with everyone in Egypt. By the looks of it, um. With Mo Salah last night, Patrick, a goal and an assist. And then afterwards you said, shut your face, Patrick Renshaw, I'm the best footballer of all time. <laughs> what do you think about that? I, ch- I, I guess you didn't celebrate his goal and assist. Obviously, because you don't read him. So. 
I I like him. I'm glad we have him. I just I just think he's a. I just don't think he's like a very comfortable footballer or something. I think he does, he lacks a lot of awareness or something. Now his ball for Madup School was delicious. Don't get me wrong, absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yeah. But Philly, you must watch him even yesterday. The amount of times he picks nope. the wrong pass, it it is is actually he picks the wrong pass more than he picks the right pass, and I'm fairly confident when I say that. Um, <laughs> you know, I like honestly, I just maybe I just sort of watch him more forensically, and but you know he's fantastic, he's incredibly effective. But we're glad we have him. I, the point I just make with you is that I just think Mane is a much better footballer, like streets ahead. But he took his goal incredibly well you know he's he uh he read that sort of pass that error from cody brilliantly um but apart from that and the ball i don't necessarily think he had a wonderful game by any means i thought Firmino first half was at the races big time um, mm-hmm. i thought henderson was incredible in midfield really held it all together such a steady influence in the team um, and i thought nico williams had his best game in liverpool shirt I thought he was brilliant against Ajax actually as well during the week, but I thought he was really exceptional uh, yesterday and just shows that he is an able deputy for for Trent, um, which has been a worry at times. He has he's very young, but at times he's looked very nervous, and it was great to see him do well. And Quibin Kelleher and Nets obviously uh, did incredibly well. So an encouraging, encouraging, encouraging uh, display from Liverpool, and good to have Salah back from from COVID, obviously too. Yeah, it's. It's it's um the the Nico Williams point uh, is good as one I wanted to raise as well um and you can all jump in on this too just think because after like a minute and a half he gets uh, yellow carded and I think I, to myself I think I might text my dad uh, right get him off because you know what's going to happen Wolves are going to send Troy over and they're going to then send Podence over and he's going to get absolutely rinsed. And we're going to get tortured here down this side. And then he had, as I think Patrick, I don't agree, I think he had his best game defensively anyway, Liverpool, because then he just stopped everything. And they couldn't get past him. They couldn't really annoy him. I think Nathan maybe got down once. He got a ball over the box and Podence had that chip that uh, Kelleher saved. But then they switched in the second half and they put Traore on him. And Traore couldn't get past him. He blocked him and he was and he was able with him and he had a really really good game. And it was so pleasing because unfortunately for Nico, we have a lot of morons in our fan base. And when he did have a bad game uh, recently this season, he got some flack on social media because fans are nuts. Uh, but that was really pleasing to see. And then obviously, unfor- unfortunately for him, Trent Alexander Arnold comes on and just has an unbelievable assist. Uh, well, almost like his first touch of the ball. I thought as well just. Curtis Jones, Liverpool was excellent last night. Again in midfield, and I, I don't know about this Liverpool team where they can go all the way this year. Because I, I think the defensive injuries, especially, I think they'll catch up with Liverpool at some point. I, I at the minute, I just don't know if they, if Maddock can hold it together for a full season, um, because he hasn't. So there's definitely doubts there, and you would think then that. Maybe especially if Chelsea stays strong and, and they don't know what happens with Spurs and Man City are coming up that hill as well. Um then they, they could get caught they, they could find themselves in a bit of bother for the title. But it certainly is a, that was my, the most pleasing result, I think, this season. And it was class to have fans back in the grounds as well. And I know Arsenal used had it on Thursday night and so much respect for Arsenal. The first thing they did was uh, 
chant about how they hate Spurs before the game even kicked off, which is uh, I thought was obviously very and a lovely, loving, touching tribute to Spurs, which I'm sure Johnny you're pleased with. But obviously. I actually got a wee, a wee tiny bit emotional last night when they played in their walk alone because it was just nice to have fans back in there and then seeing some of the fans in as well. Some of the older fans too that were there was pretty class. So, yeah, I don't know what Johnny and um, Brent, don't know, you used to make a Liverpool last night. I know Brent, you text me saying six six players missing or something. He's doing at the Wolves was impressive, but mm-hmm. yeah, you still think Liverpool are going to win the league, then, Brent? I do. Um, I, I think, uh, well, based on on that, um, it's quite scary uh, that Wolves, who I know they're they're missing Jimenez. Um, but they're having they're having a, a pretty decent season, and um, I've had some good results, and you know never looked like uh, troubling Liverpool at all, um, and with the players missing, and I know you said about the the defensive injuries that Liverpool have, um, but apart from uh, apart from Van Dijk, really. Uh, everyone should be back relatively soon. I think I'm right in saying that. Um, and they've showed there that I know you mentioned already. Um, Nigel Williams and and Jones. I mean, they've both really come into their own in the last couple of weeks. And now Trent's back, and as you say, he, you know nothing has changed. He, he come comes on and he does that. Um. Fabinho, I think, has been absolutely phenomenal. Probably your best player this season so far, uh, just for what he's done and, and how he's adapted and you know looks like one of the best centre-halves in the Premier League. Um, the young keeper as well, been great the, the two times I've seen him um, against you know two tough attack, attacking opponents. Um, so when you're doing that, and, and I think Patrick's right, um, Henderson's so important still to this team. Uh, he does hold it all together and he, he seems to make the other players more comfortable which is it's such a hard kind of attribute to measure I think um, but it's so important and it usually does come from a captain and I think that's what we were talking about with Aubameyang earlier but Henderson has it in, in bucket loads um, and uh, uh, you know, as well as being a pretty decent footballer, it's it's such a a quality that you want in your team. Uh, so as long as you have him, and and then with the players coming back, uh, I mean, I'd, of course, I'd like to make a run at it, and I think Chelsea will, you know, be there or thereabouts. But I still think Liverpool are a different animal. I don't think any, you know, anyone else uh, missing that many players could could do that to a team the quality of Wolves. Yeah, I, I I adore Jordan Henderson, so I mean, anytime anyone's uh, heaps praise on him and doesn't support Liverpool, it's always nice to hear. Actually, I had a conversation today with a friend, and I saw someone say it on Twitter, and I agree with it. I think, I think he's a better leader than, than we, I think he's the best leader we've had in the Premier League. Um, not certain, not the best player, and not the best player to wear the captain's armband, I'm not saying that, but I think as a leader, the way he leads the whole club, he's just been. Ridiculous, especially the last two seasons when we won the two big trophies that we're up and after. So, yeah, and every game he misses, he becomes even more important to Liverpool, which is nice. 
Um, yeah, and Gini Wijnaldum as well. Gini Wijnaldum as well. I said last night, I need to get that contract sorted. I know Thiago's been signed. I know Curtis Jones is coming through and different things. And who knows what's down the line and transfer-wise and different things. But Gini Wijnaldum is so important to Liverpool and so important to what Klopp wants Liverpool to do in midfield that it, it would just seem really stupid. Really unnecessary for Liverpool to shoot themselves in the foot like that and not get something sorted. So I hope they get that sorted. Um, play Fulham next, so it'll be interesting to see where, where they go from there. And obviously Mitchellan during the week. Um, a couple of other results the weekend. Um, both Manchester teams won and now find themselves in the top six. Top six is actually the same top six that finished last year, just in all different orders. Um, which is interesting. Manchester United. Johnny, Oli got a bit of abuse during the week uh, because he, he just decided to leave Fred on and, and not make a change when it was screaming. Uh, screaming, he obviously had to change something. Then on Saturday, on Saturday there, he makes two changes and yet again, they have an impact in how to win the games. If ever a manager summed up how consistent a team is, it's Oli going to Solskjaer. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um. I said to you guys that uh, I was going to have a go at Man United. Um, believe me, they're not getting away with it. So, uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. You know what? Do you know what? Do you know what's the most embarrassing thing for Man United? You see a fucking Mourinho wins the league with Spurs this year. It's fucking embarrassing for you. Because if he can go and fucking win the league with that sure of shit, what the fuck does that make you? Don't fucking come on Twitter slobbering because fucking Spurs beat us and then you win a game like you're fucking great. Fuck off. Back off the old you bastards. I swear to God. Slobbers. That's why everybody fucking hates them cunts. Anyway, back to what your <laughs> question was there, Cole. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. I have seen a lot of praise for Fred um, from my native fans on Twitter, anyway. So, yes, inconsistent. Um, just It's just mad how they're where they are in the league. They're fourth ahead of Man City. You know, it's... What, what, what have they won the league this year? They won't. Yeah, like what if Man United win the league this year? They won't. Imagine, well, we didn't think last year would do it. Like, imagine if no. fucking Ole wins the league of Man United. And can can I just actually add? I've only just seen uh, Paul Pogba's agent's comments. Now I thought of that yeah. agent was bad, but boy, he's not. <laughs> I can I I fully understand now why United fans want him out. That's friggin', that's just disrespect. That's like. On the badge, like, oh my god, I, I, don't, terrible. Know if I don't know if you know this, but I think now Patrick, I might be wrong, but I think Liverpool have stopped all uh, discussions with Manariola and his players. Uh, I saw that there a couple, a couple of weeks ago back that um, the, the, the club will not be dealing with him because of just how much of a moron he is. And just as Paul Pogba puts in a performance for Manchester United, scores a great goal. Like himself and his agent just come out and wreck everything. I don't, like who would touch him? Who would go near can, him? Um, like? Can we just say what he said? Just so if yeah. people don't know. Yeah. Right. Actually, I'm not if, sure if, what if, he said. So if, yeah. if my United fans are still listening after Johnny's rant, yes, go on ahead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I don't I, I've only just seen it on Twitter myself, but I, I'm not sure if there's more, but... um. I'm just saying one quote from from Raiola here, who, who says, um, "I can say that it's over for Paul Pogba at Manchester United," um, hinting that 
he will leave in January. Um, I haven't read a full article or, or I haven't seen the full quotes, but um, that in itself, um, oh, here's more that he, he, he's unhappy at Man United. He can't manage to express himself like he wants to unlike people expect him to. He needs to change team. Yeah, said he, said he wanted to leave two years ago. Yeah, and they held on to Like, I mean, just when... Uh, he, he, it seems like really strange timing too. Just when uh, he actually has an impact on the pitch, um, they, they were obviously waiting until he did something half decent, and it took about eight months for it to happen um, <laughs> b- before they, you know, put out their their failures for other clubs. Um, but I'm afraid nobody's nobody's going to pay big money for Pogba yet, unless he does, you know, a hell of a lot more. It's, uh, but I, I can only like I, I, it's hard for me to say I've simply for Manchester United fans because like I don't, but I can only imagine what they think of us, like especially the fans that sort of have backed Paul Pogba, and there is a lot of them, and and rightfully so. People might agree with us to say that that have backed him and backed him about how he's got on and and still see him as a great player and all this year, and that's fair enough. And then to see that they're like, if it was a player at our club. I would be more than happy to see him sold and sold for whatever fee in January. I wouldn't care if it was say for toxic something mad like fifteen million. Take it. Get him off the books. Get him he, out of the club. He's linked with um, Man City here. Apparently he's been offered to Man City. I offered I don't know if that, that is, I don't know if that is true or not, but it's from a verified account on Twitter, so <laughs> uh, you can't believe everything you see on Twitter, folks. Just, just, just put that out there. But like, yeah. that, that's a bit crazy if Pep wants Pogba. Well, strange things have happened. It's, it's not, and it, it's such a good comeback. Manchester United, and Bruno Fernandez and Rashford won those. If United win the league, it'll be because those two have stayed on form for a substantial period of time. Um, yeah, Fernandez you're, you're, you're... every game is just getting better and better. You did say, um, Phil, to start off this um, topic that Solskjaer, I don't know if you were maybe hinting, it wouldn't be like you, uh, to hint that Solskjaer deserves a bit of praise for that. But um, I, I kind of think the opposite. Like, why did he not start those two players? You know, I'd probably because of Tuesday night. But rest somebody else, night. like. Yeah, you know, the rest of the other nine players and just let those two play. Because the rest of them, yeah, don't go so far, I guess. Yeah, um, I just I didn't didn't get it. Like, and then you you go behind and you're chasing the game, and you're probably putting more effort into it than you would have if you won the game with them on and then rest them. Do you know what I mean? Like, it seemed the opposite to me of what he should have done, um, but. Yeah, big game for for United now, and unbelievable, um, just unbelievable. Fernandez just so good. Um, he's really pulling them out of holes at the minute. Um, and I, I don't know if I, I don't really know what United's fixtures are like over Christmas, but I mean, we're talking about injuries and and how they could affect teams. But I mean, if United lose him, the, the 
I think they're in big, big trouble. Um, and yeah. They need him for every big game. Sorry, it's not even that that they need him for every big game. They need him for every game to, to kind of inspire something. And he's another one who uh, sort of gives off that that same vibe that we were talking about with, with Henderson. He, you can see him sometimes cajoling players and, and getting them going. And he's he's one of the most recent recruits. You know, it shouldn't really be up to him, but he's the only one doing it. Maguire obviously has had his issues and he's gone into his shell a bit, I think, from what I've seen of him. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I think, <laughs> you know, I think he's, he's super important. And I, I know it's a bit of an obvious statement, but... Um, they would not want to lose him. No, they wouldn't. And I think Patrick, you actually said on one of the earlier podcasts that he reminds you of like what Gerard was like for us, where it just seems to be a one man band. And they play Man City on Saturday, I think. So if something were to happen to him tomorrow night, yeah, you'd fancy City to steamroll them then because without him, I don't see United you know, having much of a chance in any of the big games. Um but more importantly, lads. One of our uh, loyal listeners, Mr. John Taggart, his, uh, his team won the weekend and they won big. Yeah, the impressive. They did indeed. Well, when you have a prolific striker like Christian Benteke, you know, all you need to do is give him chances. Let me have stick him away. <laughs> 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 oh, remember Brendan Rogers signed him? What the f? Um, yeah, no. He was I good though, Benteke. He was good, but I'm pleased for Manteke because he's got an awful lot of abuse recently in the same, got two goals. And, and Palace scored five, which is nuts. Um, no respect on, but it is absolutely nuts. He was sending boys for milk down to the shop. I swear, he was turning boys inside out. He's unreal. <laughs> yeah, great yeah, win for Palace. This season's just keeps turning out the, the mental scorelines. Um, great win for them. Great win. Jump, but they can get two. I think Zaha got on the score sheet as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he got two as well. Good, yeah. Makes a hum- humongous difference whenever he decides that he wants to be the best player in the pitch. I um, hate playing pals. hate playing Because <laughs> they always up their game. Bro. Especially <laughs> at, at their, their home ground. I hate going to their home ground. Just because, you know, they're just bollocks to play against. Although I'd love to go for a non-Palace Liverpool game and just experience it because it looks like when it's a full house, it's a great atmosphere. Yeah, the view, the view isn't great in the way end, apparently. Yeah, you're stuck behind a load of pillars or something. I don't know. The view isn't great in the home end, which is where I was. Oh dear. Um, <laughs> yeah, what, what, game, what game are you at, Brandon? I, I was uh, right above the. Um, sorry, right at the top of the um, home stand. Um, it was Burnley and Crystal Palace. Oh, Crystal Palace won. It was actually a decent game. Crystal Palace won two 0 but um, I only saw like half the pitch. because <laughs> you're so tall, man. Your friggin' head was touching the roof. <laughs> yeah, I, I, do you know what? I was um, I was with a friend of mine who, um, well, a friend of the pod, but surely, and um, he is to be generous to him about a foot smaller than me, and he saw everything, and I had to ask him what was going on on the far side of the pitch. Um, so screaming up here, was he? Yeah. You know what, the, the atmosphere, um, the atmosphere was brilliant at Selhurst. It, it, it was really, really good. Even before the game, walking to it and stuff, it, I would really recommend um, Phil going to any game at it. Yeah, I, 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 I South London, aren't they? 
Yeah, they're south. Yeah, they are. It's, it's nicer down there, apparently. Um, oh, it's much nicer. <laughs> like, honestly, all you ever hear coming out of North London is people getting stabbed, and, you know, it's not nice. People getting roasted. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and all the robbery um, Obama Yang's doing for the club, like, he's doing 50 grand a week. The crime up in North London is disgusting. Him and those are like the burglars from McDonald's that are in my Oh, the hamburglers. I swear. It's just terrible. Joe you know actually Still is quite it. terrible, which is quite off topic of sport and movie. You know that photograph I took in Spud yesterday? It is still freaking me out to this day. <laughs> yes, it just is just so strange. Just in case any is don't know what's going on, Johnny took a photo where it looks like he's chopped his dog's head off after Arsenal beat. <laughs> Who knows about spurs? And none of us questioned whether he'd done it or not. We just sort of wondered, <laughs> why, why he'd done it. The, R- <laughs> it looks like the, the RSPCA have been called and will be in touch. <laughs> I can confirm the dog is alive and well. <laughs> there was no harm done to the dog in the necking of this podcast. Um, it really looks like when uh, Thor chopped off Thanos' head. <laughs> just gotta, that's the only thing came into my head. Like. <laughs> I actually have Thor's hammer. As a bottle opener, <laughs> not the actual one. <laughs> um, to keep it on track in football, the World Cup qualifying draw was done just before we came on air the night. Um, and both Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland, obviously, were waiting to see who they got. And uh, unfortunately, they got two stinky draws. Um, Northern Ireland ended up with Italy and uh, who's the other team, Patrick? Switzerland, Switzerland. as well as Bulgaria. Bulgaria and Lithuania, and we'll get your views on that in a minute. And then the Republic of Ireland, they got uh, Portugal, obviously Diogo Jota, Portugal, and the main man for Portugal. And uh, Serbia with also, I can't remember who was the other two teams they got. Uh, two seconds. Thank you very much, Brent. Patrick, your thoughts on the draw for Northern Ireland? Yeah, well, I think Italy and Switzerland will be massively fearing us as the formidable third seeds, and it should be a procession, <laughs> a procession to Qatar. And I'm just, you know, with it being so hot out there, I'm just trying to sort out my wardrobe. You know, do I bring flip flops or sandals? I don't, I don't, I really don't know. Sandals, <laughs> with white socks on. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, but no, seriously, it's a fucking disaster. Um, <laughs> we... <laughs> <laughs> Italy will absolutely chin us. Uh, Switzerland are the top ranked second seed. They'll oh, no, uh, no, they have they have Jacker. You'll be a hundred percent. We hope he'll play. Uh, Bulgaria, I gotta say, I don't know an awful lot about. Um, I know Berbatov doesn't play for them anymore. Um, Which is good. Other than that, I know were they in the same group as Ireland, Italy, as a republic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They weren't great though, were they? Bulgaria, I think they're very beatable. And then let you any other better playing basketball out there. So hopefully they should be beatable. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be coming third, and that'll probably be it. That sounds very defeatist, but it'll be about the younger players who have come through lately: Ali McCann and uh, these boys, Galbraith and Ballard, getting more experience, and then maybe targeting the next Euros. Um, you know, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope we do incredibly well. But it's a real kicking the teeth of a group but uh, yeah and you could get to a couple of decent away trips though if we're allowed to travel um, which would be nice like but it all depends obviously on what 
what the the COVID decided to do with himself and and obviously the vaccine. Yeah. And apparently, Italian public, fans are friendly too, it, like so. That should be good. Aye, right, well, if it's yeah, well, good luck with that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it won't be in Naples though. They haven't played in Naples since the the Maradona semi final, so you, you won't get your arse cheeks sliced at least anyway. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> Brighton, Republic ended up with Portugal and Serbia. Um, so you'll be delighted to hopefully try yourself a ticket to go see your boy, Diego Jada. Well, he's not my boy at all. Um, very much the opposite right now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, <laughs> it'll he's probably be. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it'll probably be actually uh, Ronaldo's last major tournament, I would guess. Um, so I hope uh, <laughs> I hope he's uh, he's in Dublin. Um, but I mean, there, there'll be so many people going down to to see him rather than to see Ireland because they're they're pure dort at the moment. Um, and there's not a huge amount to be positive about. I mean. Uh, there's a lot more to be positive about Northern Ireland, I would say, at the moment, uh, than than to be a Republic fan. Um, kind of a fan of both, and uh, not a fan of either. Um, it, it's a strange thing. International football doesn't yep. overly excite me. Um, but yeah, that would. I mean, there's a couple of decent players you could definitely go and see there. Um, and yeah, you just want one, if not both of them, to to make some sort of a run and and make it interesting. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, as Patrick said, it's it's probably a bit of a long shot that they'll qualify. Yeah, I I I don't see either of the Ireland's qualifying. I'd love to see both of them qualify, as you said, Breton, But I I just can't see it. But um, you best believe Patrick, I'll be wearing my Italy top uh, in your house, uh, when that game's on, especially the away one. Uh, oh, we'll be fighting. Fighting any man slicing your arse cheeks off, uh, <laughs> 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 slicing my own, um, in homage to the, uh, the Neapolitans. But yeah, it, it, it's an interesting. We'll see what happens and whether fans, fans being in, at those games, especially for both Ireland's, will make a huge difference. Um, I think to their chances of what they can do in the home games, especially. In, I don't know what's going to happen away in in the bigger games for those teams, but yeah, there we are. The World Cup draw. It's mad that we're going to try and have a Euros next summer and then a World Cup more or less straight away after. And so it is a bit nuts, but um, I think that'll do us for this week's pod. I don't think is there any other business anyone else want anything else to put in or? I have one thing. I was going to, yeah. I was going to mention earlier. I think Robertson's the best fullback, right or left, in world football. And I, I think that's, I think that's a fact. And the, yeah, yeah, we, you, you got my vote, not to be up to the other two lads. Do, do you rate him more than Trent? Yeah. As oh, a fullback, yeah. yep. As a fullback, yeah. Well, Trent, I think Trent. Trent's person is, uh, is obviously a, a, a lot better than most of the midfielders in the world. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But Robertson as a fullback as a whole. I think he's a, he's a bit ahead of Trent, and he's a little bit ahead of Trent, if you know what I mean, in my opinion. 
Mm. I think yeah, I did. Just say because uh, I thought uh, he was incredible yesterday. No, that's just what I wanted to mention. I thought he was a freak well, yesterday. He, yeah, he's up and down that line like lunatic. Yeah, I think I did say that recently as well. Like I, I can't think of a couple of weeks ago, maybe now, but um, I, I can't think of anyone better than him right now. Which is some going from from we from Scotland's fair play now. Uh, yeah, I think that'll do us then for this week. We'll be back next week. We should have two shows, Holloway and Wales, as I don't bother everything up. Uh, our normal show and then a world football show. So as always. Um, you will be back, Johnny. Johnny is messing the group, folks, by the way, in the background, <laughs> slobbering as usual. And he's just said he won't be back, and he will be back because I'm going to make him come back. Um, should I have dragged him to my own house and break COVID laws and make him come home? So we'll be back next week. As always, catch Jonathan, catch our um, podcast on all your podcast apps. Just look for the Sports Bible. Thanks, as always, you three, for joining us. Um, speak to you again soon, and good luck.